I'm Elena Salinas, software engineer and host of the Women in Tech show, technical interviews with prominent women in tech. For more information about the show, go to wit.fm. That's wit.fm. Enabling people from various backgrounds to build technology can help us create better products and include different perspectives. Mehul Shmriti Raje, software engineer at Google, talked about her involvement in getting more women into the tech industry. We talked about her time as an undergraduate student and her experience in participating in programming contests. Mehul explained how she saw a gender gap at these contests and why it was important to address it. We also talked about her trajectory in tech and various projects she has built. In 2017, Mehul was the recipient of the Student of Vision Abbey Award. Abbey Awards are presented by anitab.org, a global nonprofit organization with a mission to help women in tech succeed. Abbey Awards honor and celebrate women who have led technical innovations and made a notable impact on business or society through technology. This episode highlights the work of Mehul. For more information about the Abbey Awards, go to anitab.org. Before we continue with the interview, I wanted to invite you to check out our latest podcast, The 5-Minute Mentor. In this podcast, you will get advice from prominent engineers, authors, writers, artists, researchers, and more in five minutes or less. Check it out by going to mentors.fm or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts by searching 5-Minute Mentor. Thank you. Mehul Shmriti Raje, software engineer at Google and also winner of the 2017 Student of Vision Abbey Award, is joining us today. Mehul, welcome to the show. Hi, thanks. Thanks for welcoming me. <laughs> yeah, it's great to have you here. And first, I want to talk about your upbringing. I read that you grew up in an environment where you constantly saw women excel in multiple domains. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about this time of your life? Yeah, so uh, the school that I went to was Notre Dame Academy in Patna. Now, Patna is one of the smaller developing cities in East India. And most of my teachers were women. My mom is also a working woman. So uh, she worked as an architect. So I always saw her go to office and come back. And uh, we always had a sense of that this time is dedicated to her work and this is her personal time. So we always had a, an idea that women would be working. Of course, I saw other women around me who weren't working, but that was not the kind of environment that I had at home. We were always encouraged to put education first, uh, to get our homework done before we watched TV or things like that. So it just never occurred to me that when I would grow up, things would be any different. And I think the first time it struck me that things weren't like that at other people's houses were when I moved to my first co-educational environment. So we used to have advanced classes afterwards when we were in classes 9th and 10th and all those. And there I would notice that every class would have a very small percentage of girls and the percentage of guys would be much larger. And then finally, when I went to engineering college down south, I moved out of my house for the first time. I was 18. It was a big cultural shock for me. Everything was new, but also <laughs> there were 10 girls in my class and there were 50 boys. And there I realized that inevitably your skills get judged 
by in light of the gender that you are in so of course i would miss that time in my life where i always believed that i could do anything so i never had any doubts on my own skill especially as a scientist or a mathematician so that was a beautiful time in my life yes definitely yeah, yeah and i think this definitely sounds like it influenced later some of the initiatives that that you started before we get into that i did want to talk about you know one example of of an app that you made that you know I interpret this as reaching another audience and being more inclusive and I found it really interesting and it's it's an app that allows you to code in your native language. Right. In this case it was Sanskrit. Mm -hmm. Can you explain the motivation behind this and you know why you think it's important? Right. So after my sophomore year at Manipal I went for an internship to IIT Bombay which is one of the premier institutions in India. and there i was working on an app which was uh, dedicated to the farmers or it was built for the farmers in that particular state and they could use it to sell their produce so there was no need for a middleman who was in most cases corrupt so they were trying to work a way around that and i b- worked on that application and by means of that i also came in contact with other people who were working on the indian counterparts of a lot of softwares like word processing softwares or um, presentation softwares and uh, that was the one of the first times when it struck me that uh, a lot of people don't know english so it's sort of it's very non inclusive to assume that they would be able to do basic things that we take for granted like making a slide or making a document and uh, they were trying to make it in hindi and uh, some local languages like marathi so uh, there it struck me that what about coding you know coding is also something that we take for granted because we assume that we will all know the english script but what about those that who don't know it so that's where uh, the idea struck me that uh, maybe we can work on something like that and then the opportunity came when microsoft was holding a hackathon i was back in school and they were holding this hackathon and i got this opportunity to actually build that i had it in my mind for a long time but that was a time that i actually got to work on it because you know hackathons are great that way yeah, yeah. that's pretty cool because it is eliminating one potential barrier because like you said a lot of coding languages they have english words like for while let yeah and even the script is in english so i mean it, it's of course it's the first step you can't do everything in it but the idea was to plant that seed that oh this is a career option for me which is well paying yeah. which is going to transform the way that i think about problems in my life and if people get more interested in it they can always go and take up uh, actually try and learn these other languages that are more popular yeah so it serves as a a door to coding that's right yeah because they'll pick up the basic paradigms the skills and then yeah sure later on based on the needs of what they're building they will eventually pick up other languages more suitable that's right it. yeah Another thing that I saw is that while you were an undergrad student in computer science, you were very proactive with extracurricular activities. Can you talk about some of the activities you were doing? Um so when I entered school, I had had some computer science education uh, because we had classes in school, but uh, in college I I felt like I didn't know much. So my first effort was to actually try and enter all the computer science clubs so i so they used to have interviews for all the first year students in all these clubs so i went for the biggest club and surprisingly i got in uh, so that was one extracurricular activity that i would do i was also part of their media and publicity planning and things like that because i enjoyed that kind of thing as well i had a I mean my parents are architects so I think I have a little bit of art in my genes as well. Yeah. So I felt like that was again something that I knew I felt comfortable with 
and computer science clubs of course like as part of them we organized coding contests so i made apps for that and then i made question papers things like that so those were primarily the extracurriculars that i focused on so you mentioned there were several uh, coding clubs mm-hmm. what were some of the things being done in these clubs so most of these coding clubs um, one of the things that i noticed was that they focused on people who would already know some level of coding or uh, who would volunteer themselves to come for the events like even when i went for the initial few ones there i noticed that uh, a lot of times i would be the only woman in the room i always wanted to participate with other women so there sometimes there would just be two of us and there would be no other women in the room but yes something that i noticed was that during the contest it wasn't a very good platform to learn new things but it was definitely a good platform to try out the knowledge that you had but also like you had to be proactive enough to go to them yourself they weren't going to pull you out and get you to come so that's where i noticed that there was a gap that we especially for women i feel like because there were so few of us they already thought themselves that they are not going to be good enough so they would just never come to these events because they thought that they are not good enough good enough for it and they didn't even see the value in it yeah did you think that it could also have been intimidating to some extent or for sure because um, also the the way contests would work was that and it was fair in one way but also there were people from fourth year who were coding along with people from first year so for even for me it was very intimidating to go because i would already assume that i was not going to make it it was just a matter of when i was going to get evicted in the course of the contest yeah. <laughs> so initially it was very intimidating and i had to really push myself to you know solve problems on hacker rank and on codechef and all these platforms to actually even feel that i deserved to be in competition mm-hmm. and during one time in in a programming contest you did make it to a, a next round right that's right so i did make it to the next round so in this particular contest there were quite a few people in the first round and then they sent us all back and they said that we'll call back the top 8 people and i actually made it to the top 8 people and i was the only girl who made it to the top 8 and i was in first year at that time so i was surprised myself and i remember when i was walking to the um, the hall where the competition was going to be held people just kept looking at me and they they were, I could hear them whispering oh my god how did she make because <laughs> a she's a woman and b she's she's still in first year and there it was just until that point i was nervous but then i was like now i have to prove myself you know yeah. now that i've made it so far i better prove myself so that was a feeling that i had when i was walking through <laughs> yeah that's great um i want to talk now about one initiative that that you started and you worked on called Women Tech Makers mm-hmm. Manipal can you describe what this consisted of so uh, as i mentioned i noticed a gap that there wasn't enough of a platform for uh, people to even come and talk about why they were not coming to these events and that was my main motivation to do this because it is intimidating to walk into a room especially for me when i was always educated in an all girls environment to move into an environment that is co-educational and not see any other women around you so i felt that maybe other women feel the same way and then when i would talk to them i would notice that they didn't see enough value in going for these contests and because i had been to them i felt that they are actually a very good platform to learn more about your own skills assess your own skills and also to prepare for eventually interviews and jobs etc 
so uh, i felt that i wanted to share that with other women in my class um so that's the reason that i started women tech makers and it was essentially an organization for all women to come together participate in coding contests in an environment that felt a little bit safer so initially we only allowed women to participate in it and then also later on we went on to hold events within the hostels which were more accessible for all students and it was available even at hours where um, maybe rooms were not available in the academic buildings etc so we would do coding nights or pajama- coding with in pajamas and things like that so that people could just come and talk about their projects or even learn what kind of projects other people were working on so it was kind of a forum for that so it sounds like there wasn't a very strict agenda of like all right today everyone's going to learn you know how to code in ruby we're going to code on app it was more of you know bring your project from school or your own projects yeah so most of the sessions that we tried to do especially in the hostels were centered around that and then we would ask students what they wanted to do a lot of times so once every two months or something we would have like a competition formally or as you said with a stricter agenda that this is a hackathon on this topic or now we're having a session on this but a lot of the events that we had in the hostels etc were centered more uh, flexibly so you could come and talk about your projects and it was just like a talk system or discussion sort of thing mhm do you remember some examples of projects that people were working on Yeah so I remember we did one session on polymer programming I also want to talk about one of my first events that we had and there we wanted to focus on uh, letting people know or letting girls know what kind of careers exist in tech so the agenda was to um, talk about a discontinued technology from Google in fact so we picked all these continued technologies from Google and we divided people in groups and there were about 35 students that attended that event and they all had to revive that technology and they had to assume different roles of designer of UX or of uh, a coder or uh, just the team project manager and things like that just to intimate them that these are the careers that exist in tech so even if you have a bit of a management streak there is a role for you within technology if you have a bit of an artistic streak so that was the event and that was turned out to be a very popular event so that was one where people came up with really good ideas to revive all these lost technologies you know they came up with different designs and like different ai implementations and things like that so that was quite interesting and then of course we had talks from people who had interned at microsoft so microsoft was the big hire in our uh, at our university so they would come and talk about the summer projects that they had done and somebody would build a website so they would show us the website and talk about um, the javascript that had gone into it so things like that That's pretty cool. In terms of the the programming events, can you talk about what this consisted of? I know you mentioned hackathons. Was there other things you were doing? So hackathon was one big thing that we did, and the other big things that we we would do was that, uh, like I mentioned, like every two months we would have one sort of an a coding event. So in that coding event, we would frame it to be a one hour long thing, and we would have a question paper that uh, some of us would make. In fact, uh, a lot of times I made it, a lot of times other people on my team made it. So we would have all these uh, multiple choice questions in C plus plus or in Java, uh, which would test the logic as well as the language knowledge of the person. And then if people would qualify if i that they would go to the next round and they would have another tougher paper a lot of times it was done in levels and uh, yeah it was designed to test the the academic knowledge you had and also uh, centered around uh, job interviews etc yes and th- that's the other thing i saw this group and this initiative was covering the people would also talk about some of the professional challenges and discuss this do you have some examples of professional challenges that were discussed right so uh, i remember they invited me for a talk so of course because in college when once i moved on i had to i elected other people to take over 
but mm-hmm. i remember once i gave a talk and that was in the first set of talks that we had as part of women tech makers and i talked about sometimes what happens when there's conflict at work or if you have a different idea of an implementation and somebody else on your team says something else what do you do in that kind of a scenario or just navigating things like i'm an introvert so i have sometimes i have communication issues and a lot of other women had that too so they would talk about uh, how they uh, interacted with professors or like asked for recommendation letters and things like that so those are the topics that we would cover and like communication was a big thing that i personally faced and some other people also faced so i think the idea was to understand how professional communication is done and sometimes when you confuse the easiest thing is to just google it uh, and see templates of letters or how to send formal letters and sometimes maybe when somebody is not replying to your email it's okay to go and talk to them in face to face you don't have to be scared to do that to approach somebody older than you if that's the kind of thing that makes you afraid so mm-hmm. those are some of the things that we talked about in addition to your studies in computer science and being involved in programming contests you also created a youtube series called the spectacular female can you talk about the idea behind this right so like i mentioned my mom is a working woman so i always had her to look up to or how to conduct my life when i was in a professional setting but also most of the women that i knew their moms were not working they didn't know too many working women personally to look up to or they didn't have any mentors in the tech field like even when i was growing up my only uh, inspiration would be bill gates because he's the only person i knew in tech i didn't know any women in tech who were doing technical things specifically mm-hmm. so uh, i the idea behind that was to uh, have a repository of videos that people could watch and feel inspired by and have women from various different professions and also know that these are the professions that exist in the world because a lot of times especially in india a lot of times the perspective is confined to you either become an engineer or a doctor or a lawyer etc but to know that there are other professions that exist and these are the career paths that people take so that was the idea behind creating that mm-hmm. series what were some examples of professions that were featured so uh, the first interview that i conducted was of my mom's because she's the biggest inspiration that i've had in my life and she's an architect so there was one uh, she was uh, there was her uh, then there were some of the computer science teachers from my school uh, who have gone on to get phd's and who do amazing projects and one is the head of department at manipal now uh, so we interviewed her there was someone um, who practices yoga uh and we wanted to interview her as well um there's another friend of mine who's into the fashion industry so we interviewed her uh, we interviewed some people who are engineers etc so we tried to cover a lot of domains basically we were trying to uh, catch hold of people that we knew personally yeah that's great <laughs> i want to switch gears for a little bit and talk about your time in grad school particularly the reason for going to grad school You did a master's in computational science and engineering at Harvard. Right. From your experience, what were some of the reasons why you consider pursuing a graduate degree? Because I know I get this question a lot from people. So personally, I think my undergrad was a little bit more focused on jobs. So uh, it was a very professional sort of a course. You were trained in uh, skills that would be required in a professional setting. But I personally was more interested in research at the time, and I thought that I wanted a more formal setting for research. Some of the research that is done here is really top notch in the in the US specifically. So I thought I always knew that I wanted to move there if I ever p- plan to pursue research. 
research formally mm-hmm. so that was one reason for applying to grad school and the other reason was that uh, i wanted to specialize in ai because i had an interest in it for a long time and i tried to do things on my own but even with the sanskrit app that we talked about it was a lot about um, i mean we we defined the pathways and we built all of that but i wanted to add an nlp element to it but i just didn't know enough of it to uh, know how to do that in a lightweight platform that we had so uh, these were some of the reasons that i wanted to specialize a and then i also wanted to get some research experience mm-hmm. and what would you advise someone that is thinking of going to graduate school but they're still not sure about it what are some of the things they can look at or do I think similarly I always advise people to have an agenda for going to grad school because grad school can be really tough and it can be financially very challenging for you mentally very challenging for you personally like when I was in my research year my everything else in my life had taken a back seat I was just focusing on that uh, because there was no time to do anything else so it is a big commitment so just think about it there are a lot of if you're not sure about going into research directly think about professional schools there are a lot of online masters that you can do at your own pace so there are a lot of factors so don't just ignore the financial the the environmental the place that you're in your family don't just ignore these things because now you're an adult and now you need to think about a lot more than just uh, yourself so try and figure out these factors as well and uh, if a full-time student doesn't work for you then there are always online courses that you can take and they also offer degrees etc so uh, one tip advice is to think about all these other factors and be to really think about the research that you want to do and go to a place that offers that kind of research like personally i was interested in interdisciplinary research between ai and healthcare so that's why i picked harvard because they had a good communication with mit and they were together doing a lot of work in that domain yeah and the harvard medical school is considered very important that's right before we finish i wanted to ask you about the student of vision avi award which you won in 2017 right What did getting this award mean to you? So for a very long time I always feel like when I was doing all these things in hindsight they sound like wow they they sound so fancy but when I was doing it most of the time I was very confused I, I didn't know what I was doing I didn't know if it was the right thing to do and uh, a lot of times I was doing it alone so it wasn't the best feeling always so just winning that award was in in a way it was validation not just from others but from my own self it meant that i had actually utilized my time for doing something that had an impact on other people as well and uh, when i won that award of course it gave me such a big platform to talk about the things that i had done and after that a lot of people reached out to me and they heard my talk on stage and a lot of them really liked it somebody in fact uh, she messaged me that uh, her father had passed away not very long ago and she watched my talk and she got really inspired to uh, work more in tech or to assume certain roles and that really it i never imagined that that would have an impact like that so in, definitely in terms of the impact and in terms of the platform that i got i think it was a great thing to happen yeah in terms of nomination because i know there's various ways you one can autom- nominate themselves or be nominated by a colleague or somebody that knows you right in general what would you say to somebody that's consider either nominating themselves or somebody else um don't think that the work that you've done is too little because a lot of times a lot of women that i've talked to actually tell me the same thing that i don't know if i've done enough and i feel like there's it's never enough i think we ourselves are never going to think that anything is enough because that's the way our society has given us that's the context that we've grown up with but uh, what i want to say is that 
take that leap of faith and apply because nothing is too little nothing is too big i think the fact that you're passionate about getting more women in tech is itself a very noble cause and if you've done something about it then we definitely want to hear about it well mehul thank you for coming on the show as when great talking to you thanks elena